From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. The Book of Genesis, Sefer Bereshit. Genesis 25.19 told those, Who is this bad guy? In this week's portion of the Torah, we read of the birth of Yaakov and Esau. This is, seemingly, one of the most unusual things that could possibly happen. Both of these boys have the same mother and father. Their grandparents are the same all the way back. Their DNA is almost identical. They are raised in the same household and have the same heritage, so one would think that they should at least be somewhat alike. If they are total opposites, one of them is calm and the other is hot. One of them loves to sit at home and learn, while the other one loves to run and hunt. One has a fair complexion, the other is red. The differences go on and on, yet they are twins. How is this possible, and what are we to learn from this? In Hebrew, the names Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov have 13 letters combined. 13 is also the numerical value of the word one. By itself, this might seem to be a meaningless statistic, simply a coincidence. But when we see that their wives, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, also have 13 letters in their combined names, we can no longer assume that this is an accident, but rather there's a discernible pattern that must be coming to teach us something. What we learn from this is that Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov are actually one person, and that Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah are also really one person. How can this be? Certainly Avram is the father of Yitzchak, and Yitzchak is the father of Yaakov. So how could it be that they are one person? The Torah is teaching us that every descendant of Abraham and Sarah is one with them. We have inherited their DNA, both their physical and spiritual characteristics. We look somewhat like they looked, and we act somewhat like they acted, so much so that if we want to learn more about ourselves, we should study their lives. For instance, we like to have guests in our homes. This is a character trait common to the Jewish people. We did not invent this. We inherited it from our father Abraham. And so it is with all of their character traits, both physical and spiritual, albeit our portion of these traits is extremely watered down. So then, what is the point of all this? The Torah must be studied on more than simply the literal level. The Torah also teaches us with metaphors and hints. There are deep mysteries hidden in every word. This does not in any way deny the plain meaning, but rather adds much richness to it. If it were simply a literal story, its value would be severely limited. It would be merely a history book. But we are to learn something appropriate today from every character and every event recorded therein. Take the evil and repulsive Asaph, for instance. Who is he to us? He is our own personal evil inclination. He is you and I doing all the things that he is so great at doing. Red, hot, animal, hunter, ready to trade his heritage for a bowl of beans. Yep, that's us. Believe it or not, that's our own intimate, ever-ready evil disposition. 
unless you Jewish women who are listening to this think that all this applies only to the Jewish males, take a look at one of Asaph's wives' names, Yehudit, which means Jewish, a woman who caused great trouble to Asaph's parents, Yitzchak and Rivka. So we see why God wanted Yitzchak to bless Yaakov and not Esau. And what can we do about this evil guy and his nasty wife? Don't let them get away with anything, not the least little thing, and certainly not the biggest theft of all. Don't let them take away our opportunity to live holy lives. Our rabbis tell us that the way to defeat them is to take them to the study hall. The rabbis mean that every word of Torah we learn helps to defeat them. But who can sit and study Torah all day long? My advice in beating these bad guys is to take a look and see where it is they're trying to lead you, especially when a moment looks so good, so inviting. Take a deep breath and look ahead. See where your decisions are taking you. If you do, I bet you will not want to go there, no, not even for an inch. Remember, there are many things that feel really good in the evening, but then really feel rotten in the morning. I was robbed. This week, we also read one of the most misunderstood episodes in the entire Torah. On the surface, we see Rivka pushing her son Yaakov to cheat his twin brother Esau out of their father's blessings. Yitzchak wanted to give his blessings to his older son, Esau. He told him to go hunt some game that he loved, and he would eat it so his soul would bless him before he died. Rivka overheard the conversation, and while Esau was out hunting game for his father, she pushed Yaakov to impersonate Esau to fool Yitzchak and take the blessing before Esau could get it. Clearly, she engineered this deception. But is it really so clear? If this case would be brought before the base din, the Jewish law court, Yitzchak would testify, I am getting old now, my eyes have dimmed, and I do not know the time of my death. Before I died, I wanted to bless my beloved son, my son Asaph, the son who gives me so much honor. But my wife, with her trickery, engineered a great swindle and fooled me, so I gave my blessings to the wrong son. Indeed, this was a terrible thing she did. Asaph would go before the court and testify. It is I whom my father loved so much, and it is I whom he wanted to give his blessings to. And my mother had my younger brother Asaph, that conniver, come and steal my father's blessings from me. Indeed, I have been robbed. Yaakov would have to testify, and he would say, My beloved mother forced me to do this. Really, I did not want to do it. I was afraid to do it, but my mother insisted. So I did what she told me and pretended to be my brother Asaph. But in truth, he had already sold his birthright to me. So really, I was not taking anything that did not already belong to me. And the primary defendant, Rivka, would have to come and testify before the court, too. She would say, Sirs, my beloved husband was about to make a terrible mistake. My son Esau has fooled him his entire life. He tricked him into thinking that he is a righteous man, when really he is a dishonest and violent man. Had my husband known the truth, surely he would have wanted to give his best blessings to Yaakov and not to Esau, for Yaakov is a righteous man. And what would the court decide? 
we must judge this case according to what God himself has decided. Read the Torah and see. When Rivka was still pregnant with the two boys, God said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two regimes from your inside shall be separated. The might shall pass from one regime to the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. Since Hashem has already decided this way before these events even happened, we must decide in favor of Rivka. She did what Hashem wanted. Not only is she not guilty of any crime, but by her doing what she did, she again proved herself to be a righteous woman and has saved the world from immense troubles. There is one dot com.